Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So the man who sparked this series, Chad Hauer and I have remained in contact since our initial interview many months ago. Once I'd made the decision to create a new series about wanted men and women, I of course decided to ask Chad if he might know anyone else who was on the FBI's wanted list. And, well... What do you know? He did. Okay, I have a message from Chad. Um, I sent him a message. I was obviously wanting to see if he knew anyone else that might be wanted. Uh, and he's just sent me a text. Now, let me have a look. Uh, yes, I do know a guy uh, wanted by the FBI currently. English guy. Uh, now living in Russia. Uh, claims... Oh, dear. Chad sent me a message one morning to let me know he knew a guy who was indeed wanted by the FBI for supposedly helping another country avoid global sanctions with cryptocurrency. That country? North Korea. Oh, well, that's not good. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Why is it never anything simple? I found myself yet again starting to have similar concerns as I did before I decided to speak with Chad. I mean, speaking to an American who's been involved in an insane custody battle was one thing, but someone who's supposedly been in cahoots with one of the world's most infamous and secretive dictatorships was something else. Breaking news overnight, North Korea test-fired an intercontinental ballistic missile. The missile, which fell into the sea off Japan, is thought to be capable of reaching the continental U.S. Rocket Man should have been handled a long time ago. North Korea wasting no time in retaliating. Official state media saying the North launched two cruise missiles on the eve of the drills from a submarine off North Korea's coast. But if it is forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. His foreign minister said the regime is planning to test a hydrogen bomb over the Pacific, something the U.S. isn't sure North Korea has the capacity to do, but officials admit would be a game-changing escalation if attempted. Have I taken this too far? Will I ever indeed myself be able to travel the world again? Who was this guy? All questions I decided needed to be answered. I find that whole side of things fascinating too because I find North Korea... I mean, I probably would have been the same as you if I got invited to go there. I would have been like, Please don't don't go, mate. Please don't go. (laughs) My name's Jack Lawrence. Welcome to Wanted. I'm a wanderer of the soul Before the end to behold But I know I'll lose myself along the way What's gone is gone 
The FBI's most wanted list is not a list that is just reserved for American citizens. In fact, if you jump onto the website right now and start scrolling through the multitude of mugshots, you'll come across a whole host of other foreign nationals. Russians, Chinese, Iranians, Saudis, Ukrainians even. And a British man named Christopher Ems. I'm from the UK as well, so I'm originally from um, Croydon. Okay, I'm, I'm from Guildford. My mum's from Redhill, so literally 15 minutes from you. Yes, this apparent criminal mastermind of crypto and friend of North Korea was in fact an extremely nice, polite, well-spoken man from a small town not too far from my own hometown in the United Kingdom. So just how does someone like Christopher Ems end up on the FBI's wanted list for claims of counterintelligence? Well, like the rest of our stories, we start from the very beginning. I'm from the UK. I was uh, born in a, a place called Guildford, which is just south of London for anyone at home that <laughs> isn't familiar. Uh, it's a small city. Um, and I, so I spent sort of uh, my former years there. And then I actually grew up in the south of Spain uh, on the Costa del Sol. So that was lovely. Moved back to the UK when I was 16 to do my, uh, my A-levels. Um, and then I sort of dotted around the world. Lived back in, in a place called Gibraltar, which is near sort of a British uh, territory in the south coast of Spain. Lived in Malta for a while as well. Uh, lived in Berlin in Germany, which was fun. And, uh, and then in Dubai. <laughs> and now, obviously, here in lovely Moscow. Sunny Moscow, actually, today, for a change. <laughs> so Chris is a well-travelled man, but now calls Russia home. When you're wanted by the FBI, you really need to avoid any country with an extradition treaty, even if that means your own country of birth. You'd be forgiven for thinking that a guy who would go on to be accused of helping North Korea use cryptocurrency to avoid sanctions would be some sort of child tech prodigy. But that's not quite the case with Chris, who had other aspirations as a young guy. I used to like our IT classes at school, but I don't think that taught me much. But my main passion then was actually theatre. Uh, so when I was younger there, I was in sort of an English-speaking theatre group. I spent most of my time leaving school going and rehearsing, spending my whole weekends rehearsing for whatever different shows they, had, they were putting on. So really, my, my life until I was sort of in my early 20s was all about theatre. Uh, it's what I studied um, once I left school. So really, tech wasn't something really that instinctively I wanted to get involved in. It was more I wanted to, in the end, wanted to direct plays. Um, but, but I ended up here. Well, I would imagine there's possibly more money in uh, in tech and crypto that, than there is that, in you know, that, that <laughs> directing was the, that plays. Was the, that was the driving force. I think uh, I lived at the time in London when I was a trainee theatre director above a Portuguese restaurant on the South Lambeth Road in London, uh, where there was mould on the walls, there was mould on the on the shower. And I woke up one day and I thought, you know, I need to get a real job. I can't keep living like this. <laughs> that proper job would end up being in the crypto sphere, but. The road into the world of cryptocurrency was really a mixture of luck and odd coincidences, which all began with a mobile phone plan. Um, I was living in Berlin in Germany. I was working for a number of different tech startup businesses there. And there was a guy that was working with me 
who was from the US and he'd moved, just moved to Berlin. Now in Germany, you get kind of like, I'm sure it's the same in Australia, same in the UK, you get a credit rating. And with that credit rating, it allows you to take out, get a credit card or even a mobile phone contract. And you know, this was the days when mobile phone contracts were expensive, not like they are now. So this guy said to me, hey, you've got a credit rating in Germany. You've been here six months. Will you put it in your name? And I said, yeah, okay, mate, no problem. So I put the thing in his name. He wanted the full WAC plan, which I think was about 100 euros a month, which back then for me, I think I was earning about, about probably over a, just over 1,000 euros a month. It was 400 euros for the rent, and the rest went on what every man spends his money on in his early 20s, mainly going to bars, meeting girls, and having a good time. Um, so... Um, uh, so this guy left the company pretty pretty soon after and disappeared. And I was stuck with this phone bill uh, that, that, that was hard for me to pay. So eventually I tracked this guy down. And I'm like, look, dude, you, you owe me this. Uh, you owe me the money for your phone bill. And I, I really need it. <laughs> so he said, oh, can I pay you um, in Bitcoin? And I'm like, what, well, what the hell is that? Um, and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I'm never going to track this guy down. Goodness knows where he lives right now. I found him on, I think, Facebook or whatever it was we were using at the time. Um, and so he sent me um, whatever the value, I think he sent me 600 euros of Bitcoin at the value of 2015. So I think it was around, uh, around one Bitcoin, maybe a bit, a bit more. Bitcoin is a form of cryptocurrency or online currency. There's hundreds of them out there. It's not regulated. There's no banks involved. That's why people can invest, trade and cash in. Oh, from their smartphone. So Bitcoin by now is a household name. Everyone has heard of it, but almost as many people still have no idea what it's all about, other than it's an apparent digital currency that has made certain people extremely wealthy. I'm sitting in this bed, in the studio apartment, and I just became a millionaire. Bitcoin first hit the internet around 2008 when the domain name bitcoin.org was registered apparently created by a person or persons who used the name Satoshi Nakamoto. Now, before you start panicking and thinking I'm about to do a big deep dive and trying to explain cryptocurrency and blockchains, it's not happening here. But as we all know, during the peak madness of the world of COVID in 2021, Bitcoin skyrocketed. In fact, it hit a value of $66,975 for just one Bitcoin. Story after story emerged of people becoming instant multimillionaires. He became a millionaire at 24, all by investing in Bitcoin. Sad stories of people who'd lost their passwords to their wallets to unlock incredible fortunes. Bitcoin is a super secure system. You get 10 shots at entering the correct password. After that, the account automatically locks up. So far, Thomas has tried eight times at guessing his password. That means he has two more shots. After that, his $225 million fortune will be gone forever. More and more coins began to emerge, with people all around the world, yours truly included, buying into the hype and hoping to become the next crypto millionaire. However, before all this madness, Chris, with his wallet of just over one Bitcoin, at the time, not knowing anything about it, was just trying to work out how to get rid of it. But little did he know that this odd little Bitcoin that he's been lumped with would end up becoming a big part of his life in the future. I'm sat there and I'm looking, I'm like, how can I cash this Bitcoin rubbish out? I need, you know, I need the cash. I couldn't figure out how to do it, to be honest with you. So I just thought, oh, well, I'll just leave it here. 
Uh, anyway, fast forward to 2016, it must have been. So I ended up getting a job in Gibraltar for a company called Wavecrest. Uh, now, Wavecrest isn't around now, but at the time, Wavecrest was just really, a, a, I'd say my life is a lot of random luck and coincidences. Wavecrest at the time was the only debit card issuer of cryptocurrency debit cards. So what that means is you could load the card with Bitcoins and you could use it to buy things in a normal shop. So I was like, oh, okay, I know. So I think I've got a Bitcoin. <laughs> um, so uh, started working there, started working with, at the time, the only cryptocurrency custodian business, which was a company called Zappo. And eventually I thought, oh, I'll log into that account where I've got this Bitcoin. And I, this is around 2016. And I went, oh, that's worth a lot more than 500 bucks now. <laughs> um, then I saw this thing on, on uh, I think it was Coin, Coinbase probably it was around then. So I think that was where I had it. And uh, I saw this thing called Ethereum that was trading at $3. And I thought, well, I still can't figure out to cash it out. I'll, I'll have a punt on that Ethereum thing. So fast forward a bit longer, 2017, that Ethereum thing went from $3 to about, I can't even remember now, about $800. So that's an, an 800x on $500. You can do the maths on that one. Um, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that was the best deal I ever did with someone was taking his phone bill on, that's for sure. So yeah, so I left Wavecrest in 2017 and I left because From Wavecrest, Chris's life in the world of crypto really begins as he leaves the company in 2017 to set up his own business looking at regulation and compliance in this world which he says, in his own words was a vastly unsuccessful business because essentially, back then the world of crypto was the Wild West and not many people were overly interested in shall we say, being overtly transparent about their dealings within it from there, Chris does more work in the space and eventually would take a meeting with a man called Roger Ver, referred to by many as Bitcoin Jesus, as he's known to be one of the first ever investors in Bitcoin. Roger had a company called Bitcoin.com and invited Chris to join as head of business development. Now, I know what you must be thinking. Okay, this is all very interesting, but what about Chris's own crypto fortune? Are you talking to one of those crypto millionaires? Absolutely not. So in, in 2018, I think at one point, I won't tell you how much I was worth on paper, but it was a significant amount of money. But I was, I was very young. Um, I didn't really understand that. And I remember meeting a, a, a friend of mine I went to school with. Her dad's quite a successful uh, entrepreneur in the UK. And I used to have lunch with him. And I had lunch with him one time. And he said, Chris, this is a bubble. Cash, cash out. And I looked at him and I went, man, no, this is going to go, this is going to the moon, I'm not going to sell any of it. Of course, he was entirely right. So I remember within three days, I probably had enough money never to work again in my life. And I went down to about $2,000. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, while working for Bitcoin.com, Chris would get an email from someone with a very bizarre offer. An offer that would see him becoming a wanted man. I'm a wanderer of the soul. Before the end, I plan to be whole But I know I'll lose myself along the way What's gone is gone What's past is past Let me leave what belongs in the past Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. 
so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Christopher Ems is a British man currently living in Moscow in Russia. He's a man currently wanted by the FBI. And it all began while working for the company Bitcoin.com, where he was working with partnerships and development, dealing with companies all around the world building partnerships, when one day he gets an email. So pretty much back then, I, I would say yes to pretty much anything because I just found things interesting. I was a young guy and as you do when you're in your, your sort of early to mid-20s, you, you do say yes to most things if they're offered. Uh, back in, I guess it was 2018, I got uh, a LinkedIn message from a, a gentleman by the name of Alejandro Caudebenos, who's now infamous. Alejandro Caudebenos. It's a name that I would say not many have heard before. However, this is where my podcast worlds, in fact, collide. Because in my show, One Minute Remaining, where I interview men and women incarcerated in the United States, I also do bonus episodes speaking to others who have been incarcerated around the world. For one of these episodes, I sat down with an incredibly interesting man named Jim Latrache, a man who would infiltrate North Korea, going undercover for a documentary. And his main point of contact was, yes, that's right, Alejandro Caul de Benos. My dream was always and is always being a member of our Korean People's Army since I was so young. So who is this man? Well, we don't have the time to go completely down this rabbit hole. But in a nutshell, Mr. Debeno is a Spanish national who is a special representative of the Foreign Ministry of North Korea. He is also, according to himself, the special delegate of North Korea's Committee of Cultural Relations with Foreign Countries. He's also the founder of the Korean Friendship Association, or the KFA. The KFA as an organisation has a global reach, with branches across the world in Brazil, Canada, the United States, the UK and Australia. If you want to learn more about the bizarre world of the KFA and Mr Debeno, I would urge you to watch the amazing documentary, The Mole. Alejandro Caul Debenos and Christopher Ems have something in common. They are both now wanted by the FBI and in fact named on the same indictment where the US claims that they conspired with Virgil Griffith, a cryptocurrency expert and citizen of the United States, to illegally provide cryptocurrency and blockchain technology services to the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. But more on that very soon. And he said, look, I'm doing a, uh, I want to do a uh, cryptocurrency blockchain conference in Pyongyang, North Korea. Would you be interested in attending? And, you know, I had a reaction that, you know, looking back on it was probably something that I should have thought twice about. But at the time I thought, wow, that's very, very interesting. I've been watching the news. Donald Trump's shaking the guy's hand. 
I think at that time, I think most of the world thought this is probably the last time I'm going to get to see North Korea as we've seen it on, on the TV and on all the documentaries on YouTube. So I said, yeah, OK, no problem. That would be very interesting. However, before he ups and grabs his passport and toothbrush to jet off to North Korea, he actually decided that he should probably check to make sure this isn't going to get him in any sort of trouble. Kind of ironic, really. So what I did then is I thought, right, well, I'm not entirely dumb. So I I thought, right, I'll message the British embassy, say, hey, planning to come to this conference. what's What's your take on it? And they said that we don't recommend you coming to North Korea but there's nothing illegal about you doing it. So I was like, okay, fine. Obviously, looking back, hindsight's a wonderful thing, right? Maybe it wasn't the right thing to do, but, but off we went. Anyway, so 2019, hopped on a plane to China. In eight, it was April, I believe. Got my visa at the North Korean embassy in Beijing and then sort of met this random group of people that had been assembled that wanted to attend. One of the people is now obviously a, uh, someone who at the time was obviously quite famous in the crypto world, but is now globally infamous, a man, called Virgil Griffith. Virgil Griffith, unlike Chris, is a bit of a computer genius, having studied cognitive science at university and graduating with honours. Looking at his background, he's certainly had a colourful past in the world of tech, but he's mostly known for his work with the cryptocurrency Ethereum. Virgil had actually done something similar to Chris prior to leaving the United States. He'd requested permission to travel to North Korea for this conference. This request had been denied. Now, looking at the US Department of State website, it says that all US passports are invalid for travel to, in or through the DPRK, unless specially validated for such travel under the authority of the Secretary of State. Special validations are granted only in very limited circumstances. From court documents in the case against Virgil, They state that in January of 2019, he applied to the State Department for permission to travel to the DPRK, informing them that he would be speaking at a cryptocurrency conference about, and they quote, the applications of blockchain technology to businesses and anti-corruption. They then go on to state that Griffith was determined to attend despite the denial and sought the approval of the DPRK UN mission in Manhattan. He sent the mission copies of his CV, passport, and explained his desire to attend the conference. He was granted a visa a month later. Unaware of all of this information, Chris and the rest of the group, along with Virgil, were off to North Korea. Um, we jumped on the plane to Pyongyang. Um, we arrived in, in Pyongyang. Now, it's, it's a really weird place, Jack. So you, you get to the airport in Pyongyang. It's a brand new airport, right? It looks beautiful, right? But there's no one there. <laughs> so it's exactly like you've seen in uh, all the documentaries, right? It, it's like the whole thing's a play and there's actors just walking around playing the parts of normal citizens. And So it very much feels like that. So we got to the airport, we arrived, you go through immigration as you would anywhere in the world, not very different. You've got a grumpy immigration officer, looks at you, stamps your passport, pick up your baggage. One of the interesting things that happened is we went through, before Alejandro had told us, or I think it was someone from the embassy in North Korea, okay, there's a, there's a few no-nos. They're, they're pretty simple no-nos. You'd expect this in any kind of 
country of a similar ilk. You'd even expect this in Saudi Arabia. Don't bring any porn in. Don't bring any any sort of memes that depict the the leader as you know an idiot or whatever you want. No no Kim Jong Un memes, um, and, and you know that basic kind of stuff. But that's kind of basic stuff. I think even if you flew into pretty much anywhere in the world like like that, you you probably that's common sense, right? You're not going to do that. So this is where it gets very strange. So so we get to the airport and they do, and I've had this at airports uh, across the world traveling, and it wasn't particularly peculiar, and it was something I expected. As soon as you get there, the immigration officers, once you've got your luggage, they have a customs thing and they, they go through your phone and your laptop, check, you know, your pictures or whatever. I've had that happen. I mean, I think, you know, I think I even had that happen in the US once. So we, we go through um, uh, and I, I didn't realize this at the time, but we were told as soon as we got to the hotel, one of the gentlemen on, on the trip, who's an Argentinian gentleman, who becomes very interesting in this case later on, and I've never revealed this, this is an exclusive view. <laughs> um, he uh, decided to bring in let's just say a, uh, how would you describe this? A home video of a pornographic nature, which he had deliberately tried to hide on his laptop as some sort of game he was playing with the North Korean authorities. Definitely not the start to the trip you would want. A word of warning to anyone who might be considering travelling to North Korea... This is not a place that you want to try and test the authorities. And this little stunt pulled by Mr Porno meant that the entire group now was placed under suspicion. So the way it works is exactly like any documentary you've seen. So you have three guides with you. You have one senior guide who was actually a really nice bloke. Well, he was very nice to us anyway. He was a a guy who spoke. It was very interesting because I speak Spanish, so a lot of the group didn't. Apart from this, actually, it's Argentinian, but it's the only other one who could speak to the guy properly. So he spoke Spanish with a, a very, very strong uh, Bolivian accent. And he told me he'd lived in Bolivia. Really fascinating guy. He said he spent most of his life as a, uh, running a, a shop in Bolivia. So essentially, he said, look, this is the deal. We're taking all your passports away now because, you know, you're under suspicion because of Mr. Porno. So he, he acted as if, you know, this wasn't a big deal. Oh, so you, all you guys now are under suspicion. Every single one of you that are on that trip are now under suspicion. Yeah, that's what we're told. So that's what we're told. All our passports are taken from us. And obviously, thank you so much, Mr. Porno. Right? Then obviously the jovial sort of we've arrived in Pyongyang, look out the window, the, the environment becomes a little more scary. As you can imagine, you don't have your passport now and you're in North Korea. Not a great feeling. <laughs> but, you know, we've got another eight days here. So at that point, it's just like, oh, well, you know, make the most of it, right? And so basically what happens over the next sort of, I guess, five days of this is they do the entire, you know, you go on the entire trip that you've seen in every documentary. So they take you to the tower, the Juche Tower, which is a big tower in Pyongyang. They take you to see the museum where they talk about, you know, how bad America is and, and you know, all, all that kind of stuff and that their version of the Korean War. And basically you go through this whole sort of uh, tour, if you like. So you go on that. And then the last couple of days, so we get to, I, I think it was day six. Uh, to be honest with you, mate, all we did there, I mean, once you go on the tour, they take you back to the hotel and you're not allowed to leave the hotel and go anywhere else. And the hotel has very few things in it. It has a, a buffet where they feed you. It has uh, a pool room that's a bit run down and a karaoke bar. As previously mentioned, if traveling to North Korea as a tourist, you must follow every and all rules given. Even seemingly innocent pranks can mean horrendous outcomes. In 2016, American tourist Otto Wombeur 
entered North Korea as part of a guided tour group. He would be placed in the Yangonkando International Hotel. What's become infamous about this particular hotel is its apparent hidden floor. This is strictly off-limits to anyone who isn't hotel staff. In fact, when you jump on the elevator, you notice that a button for the fifth floor is missing. There are many videos on YouTube depicting people getting off at other floors and taking the stairs to see just what's on floor five. Is this same three, four, then five, it's gone, it's six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, yeah. Stairs? Stairs? Because you want to go down? Yeah, the elevator's slow. Then you stay elevated. And you can't hit six. And maybe it doesn't like that. Oh, that has to be a second. No, it's like... Mysterious fifth floor. What goes on here? Nobody knows. Apparently Otto would also be curious about this hidden floor. So one night, after a few beers and New Year's festivities, he would make his way to the missing floor five, where he would allegedly steal a North Korean propaganda poster from the wall. On the 2nd of January 2016, he was arrested at the airport and would be eventually sentenced to 15 years' hard labour. This morning, 21-year-old Otto Warmbier is behind bars in North Korea, sentenced to 15 years in a North Korean prison with hard labour. A visibly shaken Warmbier paraded before cameras, speaking at his trial Wednesday, which only lasted one hour. I was used and manipulated. Please, Please save my life. Shortly after his sentencing, he would end up in a coma from an unconfirmed cause. Finally, in January of 2017, he was released back to the United States, where he would sadly never regain consciousness and his life support was switched off. Chris says that he and his group were not actually in this particular hotel and even though had consumed their fair share of alcohol, in the back of their minds they always knew where they were. So we were actually put in a different hotel than that one. I think that's the big skyscraper looking one. We were put in a hotel which I believe they used in uh, some kind of Olympics that they did one time. We weren't told really that we couldn't go here and there. To be honest, that hotel seemed to be... It was all right, but it was, you know, just a basic hotel. But yeah, there was no, there was no don't go to floor 54 or anything like that. No, um, we, we didn't have anything like that. Um, there was, and it was a pretty small hotel with a quite dingy karaoke bar in one side. And then it, when that shut, there was a bar that was, there was actually, I remember there was a bar upstairs. So one night I think we kept going. Uh, and went to another bar that was upstairs that was, was sort of like a, a little bar and then a guy giving you more cheap uh, Korean spirits and beer. By the way, the beer there was actually surprisingly really good. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, that was... You would have to be confident with yourself when you're pissed to get drunk in North Korea going, you know what, I won't do anything stupid. Exactly. I think, you know, I, I think for, for, for the bulk of us, we were, you know, there was, a, there was a German bloke with us, there was an Austrian bloke, an Italian, so we could all hand, handle it, I think, but we didn't do anything stupid. I think even though we were drinking, obviously you've always got in the back of your head, you don't have your passport, right? I, I'd like to say I'm a fairly well-behaved drinker. So um, maybe my, my girlfriend might disagree, <laughs> but, um, but I, I, w- I, would, I would say I, I am. And I think everyone else that was, was there that was, was, was drinking with us was as well. So that was good. <laughs> so what of Mr. Porno? Well, 
Luckily for him, Chris says that apart from confiscating his computer, this time the North Korean authorities let him off with a warning. Yeah, so Porno Man, he had his, his laptop um, confiscated for the trip, but he was with us the entire time. They didn't arrest him or detain him. They just said, uh, you know, the way they dealt with it, they, de- they dealt with it in quite a polite way. They said, look, this is not tolerated, but, you know, uh, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt, I suppose. You know, he may have had conversations individually with them that, you know, we weren't party to, but he was with us on every sort of activity. And that's all we have time for. But coming up, Chris and the group would attend their cryptocurrency conference, which all seemed, well, rather pointless. And obviously this is monotonously boring because all we're doing is we've got these pieces of paper, they don't make any sense. And we're, you know, reading, reading along this absolute garbage. However, not according to the FBI. And this is really exclusive because I've never said this and obviously in Russia, now I can. They said, okay, well, here's the deal. Next time on Wanted. I'm a wanderer of the soul Before the end I plan to be whole But I know I'll lose myself along the way What's gone is gone What's past is past Let me leave what belongs in the past Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.